welcome to Backboard Banter on the board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner, where the banter's as ferocious as the Rangers against Tom Wilson. Sheesh, man. They do not like that guy. Bro, fists left and right. Like, I had heard rumors there was going to be something to happen, but right off the rip, dude? Dude, right off the rip. Puck drops, guys drop nets. It was a wild show last night. But what is crazier to me is that Bushnevich got a one-game suspension for his hit on Manta, and Wilson gets absolutely nothing, like a $5,000 fine, which is like five bucks for him, for punching him in the face while he's on the <laughs> ground and then hurting their star player. Like, just wild NHL. Yeah, it's it's kind of a lose-lose all around, but uh, at least some of the guys got their feelings out with that brawl, you know? <laughs> yeah, man. Did you see the statement that the New York Rangers uh, brass put out? Like the GM I and did president? not, no. I oh, that. they put out a statement condemning the NHL and the player safety department, George Farrow spe- specifically. And then literally the next day they got fired. And then they got fined $250,000 today for putting out that statement. What are you That's doing, NHL? Crazy, man. Oh, man. Wild. <laughs> what a rough league. <laughs> Hey, well, at least they're coming to the playoffs soon for you, Matt. So uh, it'll be exciting hockey at that point. Yeah, man. I'm pretty sure the season ends next week uh, when we're recording our podcast. They just had to push it a little bit longer because of that COVID. You know how it is. Mm-hmm. But Matt, we go back to our takes. Montreal's really trying their best to just, you know, go against your feelings. They want you to win while you're saying they're going to lose. There were two overtime wins this week for your boys, Matt. Yeah, man. Big overtime wins. Cole Caulfield got both goals. Um, I honestly think it's so funny when Montreal fans or fans of teams freak out like this when they get a new player. Like, I'm watching Twitter just blow up. Montreal has a star! We have a star! (laughs) Uh, Hey, guys. He's played uh, five games and has two overtime goals. He does not have a single point at five on five. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure the game is played at five on five. So let's not get too excited. <laughs> people just people just want to be hyped because he had these big moments, and now the kid's got to figure out what he's gonna do with them, right? But I mean, I was pretty excited when I heard that that happened for you, my man. Yeah, man, it was nice to see, especially uh, the young guy getting getting the game winners. That's that's really great. But let's slow our roll. Let's still try to make the playoffs. They could be a dark horse if they find their game at the right time. I just don't have any faith in them at this point. <laughs> hey, man, you have been up and down all season, so time will tell. I'm sad because I was trying to hope for the Suns, and they got bounced. I mean, they're only one game out of first place by the Jazz, but I got to throw that out there about my take. Move on quickly before I try again later. Matt, talk to me about the rest of the NHL because we're getting there. Like you said, next week, dude, it's almost done. Yeah, man, it's it's coming down to the wire. Um, you know, COVID, actually only three players this week again. Uh, Josh Levo for Calgary, Devin Dubnik, Colorado, and Evgeny Kuznetsov were put into the protocols this week for, for Washington. Um, but to move on to some better things, I mean, that kid McDavid, just just wild, man. He became the third player in NHL history uh, to score 30-plus goals and 60-plus assists in his first 50 games, joining Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux. So Legend. Not bad. Not bad company to keep, you know? <laughs> I mean, coming into the league, you and everybody else was saying that he was going to be a stud. And, I mean, we were half joking a couple weeks ago about, you know, getting to 100. But, uh, Matt, it's happening. Dude, I didn't think he'd do it. I honestly didn't think his pace was good enough. It was at 99 points, but now it's over that. Um, he needs five or seven points in his final five games. That should be a, a walk in the park for him, considering the guy's got, like, I think eight four-plus uh, point games this year. So, yeah, it's doable. He, he's a stud, Matt. I believe it's going to happen. Like, it'll be super exciting for him in a season like this with as you know, few games as they play, with the wildness, the craziness, with COVID everywhere, to have this, like, shining moment from a great player like this. Like, I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, definitely awesome. The craziest thing about it too, man, is like 
seven, six years ago when we were back in university, a full 82 game schedule, not a single player got to a hundred points. Nope. Jamie Ben won it with like 88 points or something like that in 82 games. So this is just a crazy turnaround from that. They've got McDavid just ripping up the league in points. Matthews, who's looking for his 40th goal in his 49th game tonight against my Montreal Canadiens. He'll <laughs> probably get it. Let's be honest. Probably. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's winding down, man. And uh, the NHL's like pretty much locked up in their uh, playoff positioning. The East Division is basically all set. We're just waiting on the final teams in the Central, the West, and Canada. Even though you could pretty much pencil Montreal in, we'll see what happens there. Unless you guys absolutely fumble the bag, you know, throw everything out the window and lose everything left, like, that 10-point lead you got, that, that feels pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure they're, they'll they'll be fine. Especially with uh, Winnipeg beating Calgary last night. Uh, gave them a little bit of an extra cushion there. But uh, let's talk about who's going to come out of each division, man. Because I've got it for you, man. Because Carolina, they're definitely coming out of that Central Division. I know it's a tough one with Florida and Tampa, who are going to have to play each other in the first round, which is going to be tough for them. But I just see Carolina just taking it. They're, I mean, they're a good team. They've gone two deep playoff runs two years in a row. I see it. You know where my heart is in this division, obviously. Like, I'm going to vote for Tampa because I have to as a fan of that team. But, you know, Carolina, you've been saying it all season that that's a strong team, and I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, man. If only Montreal could have actually signed Sebastian Ajo to that that contract. When he was an RFA, they, they signed him, and then Carolina got the chance to match, and they obviously did. But I mean, <sighs> that's, why that, that's why that exists, right, for that opportunity to protect teams. Yeah, man. Protect them, they did. Oh. And then the East Division, man. It's getting pretty tight at the top between Washington and Pittsburgh. Boston's in there, too. New York's kind of falling off. But all four teams are cemented in there. I see Pittsburgh coming out of it. I don't know. There's just something about that team that's been... It's been off all year, but they're finally kind of getting healthy at the right time. They've been one of the better teams over the last month and a half plus. I think it's Pittsburgh, man. I, I like the call, especially when, you know, if you go back like two, three months or whenever it was ago, when you were talking about how there were Crosby trade rumors. So it's definitely a better place to be than where they were a while ago. Oh, man, I would have loved Crosby to come to Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> different, different universe, man. Different universe. It's his boyhood team, man. Come on, send him to Canada. Maybe in a year or two, my dude. Maybe you'll get lucky. Nah, we don't need him in a year or two. <laughs> No, we'll definitely need them. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, we go to the West Division, man. One of the worst divisions. Um, Vegas, Colorado, Minnesota. And I'm pretty sure St. Louis is going to sneak into that final spot. Um, it's probably between Vegas and Colorado at this point. But I think Colorado, after having a disappointing year last year, having put it together this year again after having a shaky start, they'll probably come out of that division. And... In Canada, man, it's just one team that's been rolling along and dominating, and I don't see anybody else winning. I know Edmonton's got superstars. Winnipeg's kind of fallen off a cliff lately. Um, Montreal can't figure it out. Yeah, Toronto. Win your first playoff series in, in like, what, 15, 16 years and make it all the way to the conference finals. Good for you guys. I mean, it'd be pretty exciting for Toronto fans. No faith in the stars for Edmonton. Obviously, you've given up on Montreal, so I'm not going to even ask you your opinion there. But it's interesting the way this whole season has turned out with these teams in these divisions. And what do you think, Matt? Are these division-type things a possibility for the future? Or do you think that having all the Canadian teams up north is too much of an advantage? I just think that it's... Um, it's a difficult way to analyze each team because there are so many players in this league and there are so many different teams with different levels of like what they can do, what they can't do well. Are they a big team that clogs at the middle? Do they play a speed game that is more to the outside? And when you get matched up with the same teams for 10 games, if you're in a poor matchup, you're just going to lose. I mean, yeah. 
it we talked about it the other week with Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Montreal, right? Like Winnipeg owns Montreal, Montreal owns Edmonton, and Edmonton owns Winnipeg. So, I mean, if they're playing all the teams in in the NHL, their records could look vastly different because. I mean, you're. I'm telling you for sure that Calgary, Vancouver, and Ottawa, the three teams that aren't going to make it in the Canadian division, would be way better than teams like Detroit, San Jose, Anaheim, LA, and Arizona. And they would take a ton of points off of them and, and bump them up in the standings. I could see all the Canadian teams being on the playoff, in the playoffs if it was a regular year this year. So it's tough to see three of them who have decent teams Looking on the outside, looking in. I mean, to expand on that point too, Matt, is like, you have to think about the mental of the players as well. If you're just playing the same guys, like, you think about the NBA, right? Where someone is like, I got to guard LeBron James. I got to guard Giannis, Kevin Durant. And you you take that to, to hockey and now you have every single week occasionally you're facing the same guy as a defender and you're like he just he's got my game like he knows exactly what i'm gonna do that gets tough when you can change it up when you've got those rotations when you're playing so many different players different teams throughout the season anything can change and that's why i gotta bring up the mental of the players you know yeah 100 percent, man i mean these teams know each other's game style in and out and the most creative coaches this year are the ones who are having the most success because they're trying new things, they're sh- they're showing different forms of attack and defense, and it's confusing the other teams. But if you just try to play the same game over and over and over again, people are going to get your number. Okay, Matt, I want to ask you one more question, if that's all right. Because in esports, with a lot of like world championships, when you bring different teams from different parts of the world all together, they have different play styles. They play different ways. And sometimes an entire tournament internationally can be defined by one team in their play style. Do you think that the way these divisions have been set up, that going into the playoffs, we're going to get some really interesting styles of play coming from different teams that have had different, like basically play styles throughout the season? I think it's going to be really interesting once they get to the quarterfinal round. Because these teams have not seen each other at all this year. They're going to be feeling each other out. And it's going to be very interesting to see how they react. The final four teams. Because those are theoretically the four best teams. And they're going to have to try and figure out each other's game style really quick. Because first to four in a seven game series, right? So it's going to be really interesting to see. Um, If my money was on it, I actually think... Colorado or Carolina are probably the cup favorites in my opinion, but so is Toronto, man. Toronto's up there. If they can get out of that Canadian division, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, they're what two of the top five point getters in the NHL. So it's going to be really interesting. I think you got it right on the money there, Matt. I'm excited to talk about it when we get there and, and see the, the games that come up. I'm obviously hoping for seven game series. I love the longer series you go, the more, different players get the opportunities to shine so time will tell with the playoffs around the corner yeah man time's gonna gonna tell us the whole story and uh i'll probably be wrong on quite a few things <laughs> you're gonna hit something like right on the money mat and it's gonna be beautiful so that's what i'm waiting for thanks buddy i appreciate you uh but i'm pretty done with the nhl you want to move to the hardwood perfect yeah we can move to the hardwood COVID this week four positive players i don't think anyone's super important um, that's going to affect these final two weeks of play. When it comes to injury side of things, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, uh, who is probably a top five rookie of the year candidate right now, he's got a, a knee injury. He basically, in Sunday's win against Dallas, he hyperextended it in the third quarter. No ligament yeah. damage, thankfully, so he's going to be fine. Always glad to hear that about young rookies in this league, Matt. I never want to see incidents take somebody away. Yeah, man. Especially this rookie class. This whole rookie class that was so underhyped. And like we even underhyped them too, man. All of them are getting good minutes. And Halburn's been a key cog for that Sacramento team all year. So sucks to see him get hurt, but glad that it's not too bad. Yeah, it's basically it's only a season ending injury because they've got like what six games left, I think, total, maybe a few more. There's not much. The biggest deal, Matt, is this LeBron injury. Because he returned from a 20-game absence, which is the longest of his career, to have two L's, one of them against the boys, which we'll talk about later today, 
And now he's going to miss the back-to-back against Dallas tonight and the Blazers tomorrow. And I forget who he's playing on Sunday, but I think they're missing that game as well. Mm-hmm. Key games, Matt, that'll be very important for the Lakers to try to avoid this play-in tournament. Yeah, man. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with them, but LeBron not playing and AD not being his dominant self or being able to carry its, a squad, like that's going to put them in the play-in, I think. And LeBron said it this week that he didn't want to be a part of it, but man, last year he was pretty all for it. So It's, it's funny. His comments were a little bit more explicit than that, Matt, but uh, he definitely... Uh is sweating. That's my my favorite thought process right now is the fact that the NBA has created this extra tournament to make the end of this season a little bit more exciting because how often, Matt, have we gotten to the last 10, 15 games of the season and teams don't care? We're resting stars because some of the records don't matter and everyone is where they are. But now with this little middling tournament where these four teams get a chance to battle it out, you know, the the... Westbrook and his team are going to get a chance to potentially come in. And if LeBron were to lose, if the Lakers were to get bounced, which is not happening, Matt, if they end up in this tournament, well, obviously we got to lay that down. But if it were, and it were like the Pelicans that did it, oh, what a story. The NBA will have like, chef's kiss. They did their job right there, you know? Yeah, if that happens. But you no. you and I both know that as the seventh seed, which is probably where they're going to drop to at the furthest at this point, They'll play either Memphis or Golden State in that little tournament, pre-tournament between the 7 and the 8 for the right to to just get in. And as the 7th seed, they only need one win. I can see LeBron just winning one out of two games. Easy. Well, that's the thing. Easy for him, right? So if the Lakers do end up falling, it's, you know, you're playing for 8th at that point. And it's going to be really interesting if you have Curry, you know, if you potentially have Damian Lillard, you know, Zion. Right, John Moran, like all these potential names would be really interesting because somebody is gonna miss at the end of the day. Yeah, hundred percent, man. It's there's only uh four teams that are gonna make that play in tournament, two from the outside of the playoffs, and at this point it's getting really tight between uh San Antonio and New Orleans. That it is for sure. Okay, Matt, before we go into these games from last week, because there was some bangers, there's been a bunch of coaching rumors that I feel like we have to address going into it. Now I'm going to start with Boonhoser because he should already be fired in my opinion, but the rumors are Agreed. coming out that that if the the Bucks don't make a deep run this year, that it's his last opportunity. I mean, third time's the charm, right? Dude, honestly, they have been so good for so long, especially with Yanni, and he has just done absolutely nothing for them. That Those first place finishes the last two years in a row – they absolutely mean nothing without a championship and without being able to get to the finals. Um, he's too rigid in the playoffs and doesn't doesn't lean into his stars. I agree. He should already be gone. And and that's why this I I don't disagree with this rumor. This rumor he should already know that this rumor should be existing because if he doesn't flex it up, if they don't go far, if they get bounced early again, like they have to do something because Giannis is committed. You know, that team is capable. They've got the stars. They've just got to figure it out. At least he's been leaning into Giannis and, you know, some of the other players on some big minutes this season. But it's really interesting that this conversation is happening, Matt, because the different coaches that we're going to talk about here have different reasons for why their seasons can end. And Budenhoser is probably the one that has the biggest, you know, pile against him for the reasons why he probably deserves to be fired. 100%. Because, like... Terry Stotts was also in that report of being a coach on the hot seat, but Portland doesn't have the kind of firepower that Gian- that uh, Giannis provides the Bucks and Budenholzer, you know? Like, yes, Damian Lillard is awesome. Yes, CJ McCollum is sick. Um, Yusuf Nurkic. But at the end of the day, that, that Western Conference is a much, much deeper conference. And they've even been to, I think they got to the to the conference finals, I think, in the past four or five years. They've had some decent playoff runs. I think you're right, Matt. The thing about Terry Stotts is it's such an interesting situation because they have the Blazers have a winning record under him. He's Damian Lillard's guy. Like, they've always had a great relationship. But a lot of people have come out and been like, you know, 
if you take a better coach, if you find somebody with a little bit more in a system, maybe it would be able to push them over the edge. Because while you say they haven't had the weapons exactly, they've had Damian Lillard. You know, CJ McCollum hasn't always been healthy, but he is a great two to Damian's one. You know, and so if they can figure it out, they're a good team. But it's just, you're right. It's been a couple of years of mediocreness in the playoffs, Matt. Yeah, big, big mediocre. But the biggest shock for me, man, was Nate Bjorken. How is he going to be on that list after one year? Yeah, they're fighting for a playoff spot, and they're just on the outside looking in. They're going to be in that play-in tournament, and they fell kind of, I guess, from the start of the season, they were doing pretty well. But, like, really? You're going to give the guy one year, and then you're going to kick him out? It's hard, Matt, because right away my initial reaction is it's disgraceful. Like, it's not fair to him, right? You have a team that has dealt with injuries that, you know, was part of the crazy trades that happened and is trying to figure out their identity moving on from Oladipo. And now, you know, you have this coach who obviously hasn't won the locker room. Like, they haven't had the... He hasn't had the best relationship with a lot of the players. But think about the season that we're having. Think about all of the difficulties, the COVID struggles in this situation. You're going to give an opportunity to somebody and it doesn't work out great. And you're instantly going to be like, all right, let's wipe our hands with it and be done. Like he hasn't even had an opportunity to really get his foot in the door and start putting in his own system and creating a winning atmosphere. And you can't just do that. You got to give a guy two years minimum, in my opinion. I a hundred percent agree, especially in a crazy COVID year like this, where you don't necessarily get the kind of preseason and training camp that you want. And building that bond with your players is a little bit harder because everything's masked, everything's social distance, everything's done via Zoom. Like, give the guy another chance. Like, whatever. Bad for for uh, Nick Nurse's coaching tree, unfortunately. Because if Bjorken's gone, who knows if he gets another shot uh, at creating another coaching tree? But that the reason that's the thing that really frustrates me is is the fact that who knows if he gets another shot? Who knows if Nick Nurse's tree gets to continue all of these different things based on this awful season, right? And I have no idea what the Pacers locker room is like. I have no idea what the players' mentality is, but it's possible that one, two players checked out like, you know, 15, 20 games ago, and it's been this, that, and the other reason. So I would hate to see him disappear. And if they decide to fire him, like, Nate, come back to us, man. We'll we'll welcome you with open arms. I hope you know that, (laughs) right? Yeah. Definitely would welcome him, welcome him back with open arms, man. Uh, he was a great offensive coordinator for us. That is for sure. All right. <sighs> Game time. Shall we move into last week, starting on Thursday with <laughs> Matt? 50 points from Kevin Porter Jr. Man, he is the youngest NBA player with 50-plus points and 10-plus assists in a game absolutely wild yes Giannis left the game early with an ankle injury but Milwaukee still got good games from Middleton Holiday and Brent Forbes all hovering around that 30 point mark um with some pretty efficient uh shooting from deep like 5 of 10 for Middleton and 6 of 10 for for Forbes but man Porter and Wood they combined for 81 points like just wild my friend how did Houston do it I also got a shout out Kelly Olynyk, Canadian man, 24 points, 13 rebounds. Like, such an interesting situation, Matt, when you have this game that everyone is expecting to go one way, and then this kid just decides, nah, man, I'm going to take 26 shots, 15 of those threes that he makes nine of? Like, Kevin Porter Jr., you've made a statement. You know, everyone potentially was thinking that, you know, you weren't going to matter, you might have been forgotten about in that draft class where you came from, but man... What a statement indeed. And the Rockets are looking at him like, man, maybe you are a part of our future. This could be fantastic. Yeah, man. That's some elite company when you become one of the the youngest players in NBA history to do something. So he's he's only 21 at this point. Um, he, sky's the limits, man. Like players in the NBA don't hit their prime until they're at least 26. I mean, unless you come into the league as a, an absolute stud and you have that opportunity. But yeah, super exciting for him, Matt. 
Like, that's the biggest part about this game, really. There's not much more to talk about it. You mentioned the stats of the players. Everyone kind of showed up, but Kevin Porter, showed up, he showed up way more than anybody else. Yeah, man. He hit some huge shots down the stretch. Uh, Milwaukee did blow a huge lead, a 15-point lead, but hey, good for Kevin Porter because it was all about him, man. Some other notable performances that night, both Tim Hardaway and Kevin Durant dropping 42 points. And I don't even know if it's noticeable or really a big deal, but Curry with 37, 6, and 8, just doing Curry things. Classic Curry numbers, Matt. We'll talk about him more once we get further into this week. Shall we move to Friday? Oh, yeah, man. Because that was a banger of a game between San Antonio and Boston. It was a super important game. In all honesty, for both of these teams, the Celtics really trying to hold on to that sixth place, get away from the plan. I mean, they're, they're pretty much got it. But if they can win a couple more games, sneak into that five spot, you know, make their lives easier, play the Knicks or the Hawks into the first round, that would be pretty cool. But the Spurs, man, a tough loss for this team because they are fighting for their lives. Yeah, man. They are just hanging on to that final play-in spot. They've kind of fallen from grace a little bit. I mean, I thought Popovich had this team playing really well, but that was a hard loss to see. I mean, it's tough when Jason Tatum absolutely explodes for 60 points. 60 points! Like, just wild, my friend. But San Antonio had a 67-35 to lead at one point and went up into the half up by 27. Like, they need to close that game out. They need to win it. But Jason Tatum, man, going to do what he's going to do. Their defense down the stretch of that game in the second half was just not up to par. And Boston feasted, honestly. They they put up 43 points, I think it was, or 42 points in the third. Like, a deserving win, you know, brought him into OT. Tatum 60, what else can you say about this game? But... A tough loss for the Spurs, Matt. That's that's what I see out of this. The biggest feature is that the Spurs lost a game that they probably should have won. Yeah, man. That they probably need to win, too. So, that's a tough one for them. But, you know what, man? Our boy DeRozan still had a decent game with uh, 14 assists, 30 points. Uh, not too must, bad, not too bad. Those 14 assists must be tied to a career high or something, honestly, they, for him. Yeah, they've got to be, man. Um, I wouldn't. I don't know of any other game that DeRozan would have gotten <laughs> that many assists, man. I mean, the media used to rip him apart for not being enough of a playmaker. And this season, I mean, we were talking about a few weeks ago, he has stepped up for this team, and I want them to make the playoffs, but I, it's slipping away from them, and I don't think it's going to happen at this point. We can go to Saturday, though, because there were some great games. There was the OT thriller with Minnesota and New Orleans. Zion dropping 37, 9, and 8 on 14 of 17. Like, this man is an animal. Dunking more than Prime Shaq. Like, no threes. Good job, Zion. Like, 9 for 15 from free throws, people will probably, you know, be a little upset about. But when the guy is as dumb as he is inside, when he can get 8 assists pretty easily without trying... And when Lonzo has an absolute game, 33 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists. I mean, he did shoot 17 threes, which is a lot. 17? But he hit 8 of them in that game, Matt. Big, big deal. Yeah, he did also have 3 steals, which is pretty nice. Not gonna lie. They took it to Cat and Edwards, who... Edwards has been having a great season, man. We'll talk about him a little bit later, too. But that guy might be the rookie of the year at this point. He's probably first in the standings. His... His season has really just been going up since the beginning, right? And if the conversation is obviously going to be between him and Lamella with Lamella coming back now, but I like Ant Man. He's fitting in well with this team. He's figuring out his defense, and if he can get a little bit more efficient beside Cat, they can be a strong duo in the future. Hundred percent, man. Especially with um, uh, D'Lo over there, that team could actually finally turn it around. But we've been saying that for years. <laughs> We'll go from from one guy who's rookie of the year to two guys who actually won the award in Luca and Westbrook. Man, that Dallas Washington game was fire. It's one of those games that I was sad to have missed. I was away, I was busy, but like it was a thriller. Like the Wizards have been on a tear 
an absolute tear, Matt. We've been talking about it. Everyone's been talking about it. And the Mavericks have been quietly making their way up the standings. They're in the fifth now. They're above the Lakers. And Luka Doncic is still a magician. And he got a triple-double tonight, Matt. Huge, huge deal for him since it was, like, the longest time since his last triple-double. I don't know, like, 22 games or something. Whoa, big deal. (laughs) Man, 20 assists? Like Wild. And the fact that they came out so strong in the first and Washington kind of took the lead into the fourth, I feel bad for Westbrook. Couldn't score a single point in the final two minutes of the game, or final five minutes of the game. They got beat, man. Beal couldn't hit the three at the end. Yeah, it happens. Good for Dallas, though, because Luka definitely deserves that kind of a win. Oh, yeah, it's it's big for him. When you get 20 assists, man, I'm, I'm shocked that you don't pull out a W. So, of course, we're glad for him on that win. Dallas gets a big W. I mean, looking at this game... It's so interesting when you think about the different side of things and where these teams have been on their season grinds. And I feel for Luca because he is still in this situation where he doesn't really have a team. Like, you know, Finney Smith had a good night shooting. Kleba put up 17. Game winning three, you know, too. Right? Like, Porzingis has not been what they've wanted. And I, I hope that this Dallas team, that's the thing. I hope that this Dallas team can potentially make some noise and go far, but. Luca has to do magic like this for it to be happening all the time. He's basically got to be the MVP every single night, um, which leads me to Joker, man, who dropped 30, 14, and 7 on the clips, man. Big win for Denver. I mean, I love Nikola Jokic. I love what he's done for the NBA. I love his image. I love the abilities that he has on the court, which are so irregular, but yet he pulls things off some of the crazy highlights that he gets to have, and the fact that this team is still alive and has been playing extremely well since Jamal Murray went down, it gives me a lot of hope for the West because I did not want this team to disappear after that injury, and they look like they have no plan on making that happen. No plan. But, uh, you know, the Joker's going to be the second ever MVP to be picked in the second round. He's going to join Willis Reed, man. It's a pretty big accomplishment. Man, he's got to be a lock at this point. Like, you're talking about it like it's a lock. I 100% believe it's a lock. Like, I don't think anybody else has had enough games played or has done enough overall as an individual player. And he has just quietly been consistent and dominant for this team as this season has progressed. Yeah, man, he's the reason that they're in the fifth seed that they are at this point. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. has stepped up and been great for this team. So that has to be mentioned, but you're fair, right. Fair, fair. But it, it's, it revolves around the Joker, man. Do you want to skip Sunday so that we can throw the Bucks and Nets into a, a mini-series and just go right to Monday? Oh, yeah, yeah. We can come back to those guys at the end. I'm definitely down to talk about that New Orleans-Golden State game. Yeah, man, because on Marvel Night, Curry shows out with the 41 points. Zion had a sweet game, too, but, man... GS jumped out to a huge lead and then just put the Pels down. They were It was a good Steph versus Zion game, but never really that close. Yeah, not close. Not close at all. I mean, Draymond had a triple-double, and that's classic Golden State. When Curry's going off and Draymond's doing things like that, they're going to get the Ws, my man. Yeah, man, they're definitely going to get the Ws. And honestly, best part for New Orleans, they got the revenge literally the next game. Man, I was laughing about that. Like, the fact that you can come back out the next night, still feel good. Lonzo had a bounce back game, right? So, big win for the Pelicans because they need this against that kind of team right now. Yeah, they really needed it to sneak into that final play in spot, man. Hopefully, they can because I really want to see New Orleans and Zion in the playoffs. I called it earlier on. I thought they were going to be a better team, but they're not. Ah. <sighs> There's something about their defense, maybe, but I don't know. That team is just missing a little bit, which is stopping them from getting over that hump to be a consistent, you know, confident, we're their 5-6 seed playoff team. But, you know, they're young still, right, Matt? They've got a lot of time to grow. 
Yeah, definitely have a ton of time to grow, my friend. Do you want to go into the Bucks Nets mini series, or would you want to do last night? I mean, it's probably we can we can end with the Bucks Nets series because that will be like a little bit a conversation before we row into Raptors chat. We may as well talk about Wednesday because there was some good games. Man, some great games. I mean, you had Anthony Edwards, the former number one overall pick, going against the former number two overall pick in John Morant. Man, was that a banger. I mean, Morant had 37 points, 10 assists. Like, there was some interesting situations, you know, when you look at the fact that uh, Valanciunas fouled out, Dylan Brooks fouled out for Memphis, and... You know, you look on the Timberwolves' sides, 42 points from Edwards. You know, Russell and Towns, 22 for each of them beside him. Like, it was a great game with a great matchup. Edwards started the game like 6 of 6 from D. It was bonkers. He was on fire. But Memphis did control it throughout, and they got the win, man. You're glad to hear that. I mean, I think Grayson Allen may have got hurt in that game, if I'm remembering correctly, thinking back to it, but Nobody that's the side that. we don't... Hey, I mean, he's not an amazing <laughs> player, you know? He does really good in 2K if he changes tendencies. I always kept him around when I did Memphis Rebuild, so don't hate on the man too much, Matt. Dude, do you remember him at Duke? He was such a jerk, uh, and he's been a jerk in the league. <laughs> he's, not, he's not great, he's not amazing, but sometimes he can be good at the game of basketball, okay? <laughs> sometimes man all but right, all right. That, that milwaukee team that we're going to be talking about with the nets they had a great game last night too against washington really really tight Giannis and holiday were probably the best players for the bucks and they were able to out duel bradley beal again with a 40 point loss and westbrook and his triple double magic westbrook just does whatever he wants matt whatever he wants on the basketball court I mean, it's great when you have a shooter like Beal who can put in 42 points. Like, I don't keep track of how many assists he gets to Beal and how many he gets to the rest of his team, but I'm sure he's given a couple to him, maybe four or five every single night, you know? Yeah, man. It's really nice to have a player like Beal who can swish it from outside like that. You gotta love that Giannis has Holiday to put up 29 points in this game. DiVincenzo has 19. Pat Connington off the bench has still been playing great for this Bucks team, but... They were lucky to edge this win against the Wizards because that team is fighting, scrapping, clawing. Every single game on their schedule that is left will be competitive and a banger because that's what it's going to take for Westbrook and Co. to get into the playoffs. Man, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. I have full faith in this team, Matt. All right. Anything else or should we move to this miniseries? Man, I want to talk about the miniseries because Sunday's game was a matchup of superstars. Absolutely wild game. Giannis with 49-8-4. KD with 42-10-2. I know Brooklyn's missing James Harden in the two-game series, but Milwaukee got both of them, man. Should they? Should Brooklyn be scared? Well, that's the conversation, and that's the, the struggle right now because, you know, the Nets weren't at full strength, but at the end of the day, Giannis outdueled Durant, right? You know, they have such an interesting dynamic between the two of them because Durant's greatest strength is arguably Giannis's greatest weakness, you know, with jump shooting. But like you were saying in that first game, Matt, Giannis was hitting jumpers. I think he went four from eight from three, like wild when you have that kind of stuff. Yeah. Especially when uh, he's hitting jumpers and Katie doesn't score in the final two minutes of the game, including getting blocked with like two minutes left by Giannis. I know it led to a three-pointer for Kyrie, but still couldn't even hit the game-tying three, Katie couldn't. It was definitely a moment where Giannis proved his two back-to-back MVP moments. And KD was just, just that little bit was missing, unfortunately. And, you know, it may be James Harden is that little bit. You know what I'm saying? It definitely could be that James Harden is that little bit. And in the second game, man, Kevin Durant played well. So does Kyrie Irving again. But again, Giannis just getting it done. 4 of 12 from 3 isn't as good as 4 of 8. But man, he'll take it. I'm just glad he's taken them, right? Like, Giannis is the epitome of, I am such a massive dominant player. I've got this, that, and the other thing going for my game. 
but like the greats before me, I will not stop, and I will continue to try to perfect my class, or perfect my game, right? Like, it's it's beautiful when he's willing to take those moments, because it puts the fear in the ice. Like, I remember a season or two ago, Matt, when he started draining threes, and you and I were like, dude, nobody is going to stop this man if he can start draining these at a consistent rate, and... Four for 12, that's 30%. Not great, but when you went 50% the game before, that evens out, Matt. Let's hope he can continue it, man. But too bad he didn't come to our Raptors because we could have really used him this season. Oh Yeah, just inner, inner pain still about him signing that extension. But yeah, what a different world we would have been in. But Matt, this, this was a banger. Everyone was talking about how they want this. They want this seven-game series. This two-gamer was a mini-series and... You know, based on this, it would look like the Nets would have to come back in the next two games, but I'm super excited for the return of James Harden and what that's going to mean for the future of this team. Yeah, man, it's looking like a likely second-round series. I mean, as long as the 76ers can get out of the first round, um, it's probably going to be the second-round series between uh, Milwaukee and Brooklyn, and I'm very excited for that. Man, we're going to have to come back next week when we're really sure about what the playoff settings are going to be and talk a lot because there's some interesting things. I mean, the Knicks have a winning season for the first time in forever. I think they're going to secure the fourth, but they've got a tough schedule ahead. we got contenders, pretenders left and right. Like, it's going to be a banger, dude. I just want to say one thing about the Knicks, uh, just because Stephen A kind of drove me a little bit mad when he was like, you see them, Knicks, Brooklyn, what? Like, man... Calm down. It's their first winning season in how long? And they beat Memphis. Like they didn't it's not like they wiped the floor with Brooklyn or or Philadelphia. And I agree, Julius Randle is probably a top five MVP candidate this year, but that's it. Top five. Like he's not the best player in the league in any capacity. Matt, I love it. It's really important we bring that up because if you look at this Knicks team, is they they're almost there right? They're almost at that point to be talked about as excitement. And obviously Knicks fans need something to be excited about, but Matt, they've got the Suns, the Clippers, the Lakers as their next three games. And then they follow that up with the Spurs, Hornets, and Celtics. So they can do really well, but they've got some tough teams now. And if they can't get over this hump, fifth seed, sixth seed, that's what's looking at them, Matt. And to close against the Celtics and the Hornets, two teams that are, you know, slightly there below them, it's going to be really interesting for this Knicks team. But yeah, you're right. He was going way too far off. Yeah, man, especially with LaMelo Ball coming back for Charlotte. He's looking good. Charlotte looking like they're going to probably maybe even climb. I mean, probably not. Miami's got enough of a lead on him. But hey, man, it's just going to be winning for Charlotte. Charlotte's a team that I honestly I like in this playing tournament. I don't want to get too into it, Matt, because I feel like next week we're going to really break it down. But the West may have the more exciting teams, the better players that are going to be in the play-in, but the East, I think, is going to have some serious spice, especially with what Westbrook is doing. Yeah, man, definite spice. But you want to talk about our Raptors because there's no spice in our life. What, what do you mean? We got all the spice, Matt, because I think we've done it. I think we've officially made the lottery. I think we're too far out. We're three games behind the Wizards. Like... We went one and three this week, Matt. Like, fade for Cade, it's happening. Yeah, fade for Cade's happening, man. But we got to win that lottery in order to get him because we're looking at like the eighth, seventh overall pick. And let's be honest about the history of the NBA and the eighth overall pick. Oh, not, not really a stud. <laughs> yeah, you don't even have to pull out names. It's, it's not great in that location. But hey, let's talk about some of these games, Matt, because as much as we lost three of them, they were like every single game this week was pretty competitive. Like you start with the Nuggets on Thursday. Like it was a great game back and forth. Shout out to Kem Burch, until it 20 wasn't. points. Hey, hey, whoa, whoa. It was a good game until that 31 and eight run that the Nuggets went on in the third. So the first half of the game was fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, isn't that our season? Oh, oh maybe. Oh, but yeah, Jokic had, an absolutely unreal night, 28 minutes. It was his 53rd triple-double of the season. He played three quarters and destroyed us. Porter had 23 points. Like, mm. OG kept his 20-point uh, game streak alive to six with 25, so that's nice to see. But he ended it literally the next game against the Jazz. The Jazz game hurts me, Matt, because I watched that game 
and we were playing well. Like, let's not talk about our bench, because Birch, Siakamoji, Fred, and Flynn, our starting unit, they played really well, lots of great points, but when your bench only puts up 13 points against the Jazz's 32, like, you're going to lose games, dude. I mean, they're just a deeper squad at this point. Jordan Clarkson is probably going to be, what, uh, sixth man of the year? Most likely. He's playing, yeah, most likely at this point. And we let Bogdanovich pump us for 34 points. They don't even have Donovan Mitchell or Mike Conley, and we still lose, man. That's a tough one to take. I mean, we went four minutes without a field goal, and we only scored 13 points in the fourth. So is that the tanking masterclass moment, Matt? Hey, uh, uh. Uh, uh, maybe <laughs> that's where i'm seeing it that's the positive that i'm trying to take out of it okay but at least when you roll into this sunday game like we're tanking right so obviously we don't want wins but when you're playing the lakers when you got lowry coming out putting up 37 points making it personal i'm sorry you didn't want to trade for me i loved it matt i loved it the point god 8 of 13 from deep, man. I love me some Kyle Lowry when he plays like that. Especially Siakam, too, had a good game, 39 points. He was attacking the cup. He wasn't being he wasn't hesitant like he has been all year. Um, man, but LeBron James and Anthony Davis don't look good in that game. Kyle Kuzma's their leading scorer. That's going to be tough for the Lakers to get a win if that continues. It definitely is. I got to say shout out to Freddie Gillespie, 11.7 rebounds on 5 of 11. Matt, we were up by 21 points at one point. We won the offensive rebound game. We won the steals game. Siakam was looking like he was playing with Kawhi Leonard out there as like a beautiful second ringer. Like this was the game that Raps fan wanted from our team all season long. And against a struggling Lakers squad, sure, I'll take it, my dude. Yeah, definitely, man. And it sucks that we we didn't get the win against the Clippers because I would have loved to go 2-0 in LA. I would have loved to stick it to Kawhi, even though he did say some nice things about the boys after the game. He was saying how he knew that they were already great players and that they, they were going to grow. We did hold Kawhi to only 13 points on three of six shooting, which I love to see, but we still, we still took the L. I mean... It was a tough loss. We were in it the whole way, Matt, honestly. It was a good back and forth. Siakam had a good game. Fred had a good game. Kem Birch, 13 points, 8 rebounds. But the best moment of all, Matt, was those 13 minutes that Jalen Harris played. 11 points, 1 rebound, 1 assist. He went 4 for 4, 3 of 3 from 3-pointers. Like, he came back in, in the, he came in in the third and tried to will this team back to a win. And as a rookie who has not really had any true moments... I was glad to see him shine, even if it was just yeah. for a slight moment. Gotta love to see it from the younger guys. I mean, he's a little bit older as a second-round pick, a 22-year-old, but hey, man, if he can pop off, I'd love to see it. Exactly. Also, shout-out to Malachi Flynn. He was the East Rookie of the Month for April. 12.7 points, 4.8 assists, and 4.1 rebounds. He's come in and has been a decent cog for our team during our tanking class, so you know that's pretty awesome to see. Yeah, man, he's been actually putting up some good points, uh, making some good plays, uh, some smart basketball plays. We're just not a, a good enough team uh, overall, especially in our front court. It's it's not our guards. It's not our uh, small forwards. It's it's that front court that we finally figured out kind of with uh, Ken Birch and um, Boucher being out, unfortunately. But, man... That just sucks because we would have had a good season with Ken Birch all year. Hey, man, it's it's tough to see. Obviously, with Boucher going down, it was kind of the final nail in our tank and coffin, right? But, yeah, Birch has been fantastic. Like, it'll be interesting to see what happens with his situation, you know, with Gillespie, you know, with everything that's going to happen. But I'm excited to see where this team goes. They're still young. They've got a future. Matt, the biggest thing that I want to bring up is you look at Fred and Siakam in that Clippers game both going 10 for 24. And I must have mentioned it a few weeks ago, but that's the scary stat line that I see from them too often as our stars, putting up shooting nights like that. Like, it just can't happen, you know? I mean, you like the 24 points, but 10 of 24, that's that's a rough one, right? And that's why I, I see us as a limited ceiling as, as the two front runners if we're going to keep them. And that's why I want to trade them for maybe some, some highly touted young players or 
maybe a pick or two here and there because it would be so nice to just kind of fleece a team maybe like um, Orlando or <laughs> Cleveland you know to get up into that spot and give them like a Freddie or Siakam to 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 secure ourselves a top 5 pick man it's going to be a really interesting off season for the boys We've got the Wizards, the Grizzlies, and the Clippers this week in three games that don't matter. But i got to bring them up, obviously. We'll see. Hopefully the boys will have some moments. Maybe Gary Trent will come back from his injury and play a little bit, although I'm kind of thinking his season might be done for us. But, uh, Matt, Raptors season, it's basically done. Kind of sad, but also kind of great. It's, it's, it's kind of sad. You're right. Uh, it's nice that it's finally ending. I wish that we had a better draft spot. I wish Chicago could figure it out and jump us. I mean, come on, Chicago. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, dude, but, what are you doing? You know, man, it happens. Hopefully we we uh, end up winning the lottery and we get a high pick or maybe even move up. Because at this point, it's over. It's over. All right, Matt. Is it take time? Shall we try to figure out if we've got any future, you know, amazingness on us? Hi, man. I mean, I said it earlier in the show. I think Matthews is definitely going to get 40 goals tonight. He's going to get it against the Montreal Canadiens because Montreal can't defend. And McDavid, he's going to hit 100 points with a game left to spare. Man, it's going to be such a good, 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 good feeling if he gets to that 100. And it's awesome in a season like this to have that happen. Matt... This one's for you, my dude, because I want that take from you earlier in the season to come true. The Pelicans, they're going to slide into the playoffs. I'm sorry, Spurs fans. You guys have just been sliding. That team is going to slip out. The Pelicans are going to find their way into that. And, I mean, maybe they'll upset and be pretty excited. Oh, man. Would it be so exciting to see to see Zion play Steph Curry in the first round of that play-in to get Ooh. the right to play the the loser of the 7-8. That would be so fun. And it would almost, like, you know, affirm what the NBA was trying to do with this tournament, right? Like, it's perfect if it ends up that way. Yeah, man. The old guard giving it to the new. Perfect. Anything else, my dude? Nah, man, you can wrap us up. Awesome. Well, thanks, everybody, for being here. You can check out more from us at theboardsports.net. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at TheBoardSports. This podcast is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Follow us for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time.